Hello and welcome to the Congleton Town Football Club podcast. This week we're chatting to striker Tom Hampton, who has swapped the ski slopes of Australia and Canada for his hometown pitch at the Cleric Stadium. Find out which sport he very nearly switched to before making the step up to the Bears' first team, and he also describes what it was like playing in the protective mask. But first, we'll get the reaction of player-manager Richard Duffy after the Bears made it 13 wins from 13 home league games this season, with a 3-1 win against Darleston on Saturday. Another three points, another tough game at home against a team that a real threat, which we, we've seen at, at their place. And to be honest, I think they had a better performance um, on Saturday than they did at, at their place. And I felt they, they were a threat all afternoon against us. And, um, you know, we needed Dave to, to be called upon a couple of times to make some decent saves. But I think I think we created some good chances. And I think overall, I think we, we probably just edged it. And you couldn't have really asked for a much better start. Dan Needham scored after just three minutes and then Pete Williams after 20 Obviously, you want a great start and you got that, but not that your team probably needs it. But when Darleston scored, was that a reminder of how quickly games can change and that you've got to stay focused and guard against any complacency? Yeah, I don't think we got complacent at all on Saturday. I mean, I thought it was a, a real good game, a real end-to-end game, if I'm honest. Probably a bit too much end-to-end for sort of our liking, especially when we were in control of the result after the first 20 minutes. But, you know, they, they stayed in the game. They You know, they got a goal from a set piece, which sloppy on our behalf. But, you know, something they worked on, what I think it was a wide free kick, um, a knockdown, and we we didn't quite deal with the second phase, which is not like us, really. But we got punished for something we didn't deal with. And then a the 2-1, you know, they were always in the game. And it could have turned edgy. I mean, obviously, we went 3-1 up. They had a couple of chances. If it goes 3-2 then obviously it becomes a different game. But I think towards the end of the game, then we, we, we saw the game out really well. When Brian scored the, the third from the penalty spot, did that make you breathe a, li- a little bit easier? I still felt we were in control of the game, even though I felt you know they, they were always a threat. You know, you, you look at their team, they've, they've got some goals in them for sure and fully expect them to have a good run of the playoffs, whatever that, you know, if, if they can end up in them, then, then great for them. But let's hope on, on the other end that, you know, whoever falls into the playoffs between the three teams challenging for the top of the league, you know, it's, it's probably one team you want to avoid, really. We've mentioned Dave quite a lot recently in terms of the saves that has happened. Does it make a difference when you're a defender or anybody in the team knowing that you've got somebody in, in between the, the posts like Dave? Yeah, he's, he's a top keeper, especially at this level and, and probably the level above. Not, there's not many better about, if if any. So, you know, he, he's going to be called upon in games and you've got that full insurance behind you that 9 out of 10 he's going to save, you know. so But it's not just him. I mean, some of the blocks we we had to throw out on Saturday and goal line clearances. And that's the type of game it was, you know. They, they created some really good chances. So do we, but we had to throw everything at, us, at them to, to keep the ball out of the net, you know. So... There's going to be a few more of them between now and the end of the season, and and if we have the desire to to defend like like we have done in in the in the past few games, and that will uh, that will only help as well. I guess the main thing is that you got the three points, and again you've kept your advantage at the top of the table. That's the main thing, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, I mean you want performances, of course you do. But every game you you want to win. But if you can if you can do it with the performance, it always gives you a a better chance to win the game. That's that's pretty obvious to me. But you know, if you if you're not quite at it and at, and you know and, and in control of games, sometimes you need to find a way out to win, and we've been pretty good at that, um, especially at home. And it's going to be a big test for us now. The last last eleven games with with quite a few being away, I think seven out of eleven away from home. So uh, we're going to roll up our sleeves and, and grind some points out for sure. And that win on Saturday means it's 13 wins from 13 home games in the league this season. There's not many teams in the country at this step that have a 100% record in, in the league. How important is that? And is that something coming into the season you were quite settled that you wanted to make sure you had good form at the Claric Stadium? Yeah, I think our record last year was really, really good as well at home. I think we lost two, but, you know, we had quite a lot of cup games in that as well. So, yeah, our record over the last two seasons, last season and and this season up until now, I think we've lost three games at home, I think, so in 50-odd games. So, for me, that's a pretty strong record. So, it's it's one we not rely upon, but and we don't take for granted for sure. But it, there's one where, you know, teams come in, though, they, they, they're going to be in for a good ride for sure. And, and we throw everything at, at teams to win games. And, and I won't go away from that, especially at home. Away, we, we might have to just tweak a couple of things and that will be uh, obviously when, when we come to them away games. But at home, especially Saturday again, home to Tibbetdale, 
you know, we'll we'll throw everything at them to to win the game. You mentioned there the game at home against Tiverdale on Saturday. It's the only team we haven't played so far this season. So does that bring a bit of a sense of the unknown to it? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched them play, but until you get on the pitch with them, then it's it's never quite the same. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll we'll try and set up a team to come and attack and go and win the game. That's the main objective, and um, get back to keeping the ball out on net and defending well and strong and. Having a good structure behind the ball, and and hopefully our front boys can go and punish them with with the challenges we create. We you know we create quite a lot at home, I and mean, I think it's about being ruthless, which we were on Saturday again on on this Saturday. They are currently second from bottom in the league table, but we've seen Dudley. They they were seventeenth at the end of December, but are now up to the twelve and actually top the form tables. Is that old cliche, isn't it? You can't take any game for granted because we know how dangerous teams can be. Yeah, Dudley have been on a on a mad run, you know, for, from where they found themselves in the table. By listening to their manager, they they deserve more points than than what they were on. So maybe that's come to fruition for them, and and they picked up some really good wins, and you know, a shot them halfway up the table. So there's no reason why Tiverdale won't think the same, you know. And coming to us on Saturday, will they think the pressure's off? And that old cliche where this game isn't going to define our season. That's what they'll be saying. Takes the pressure off a little bit. But we got to concentrate on our job. We we got to be ruthless in in both boxes. And um, if we do that, then that gives us a really good chance of of winning the game. And I don't know if you know this or or, or keep track, but this weekend will actually be your 150th game as manager of Congleton Town. So do you keep ticking them off as you go along? No, it's best known of that. So, you know, 150 more than uh, more than I would have hoped for. <laughs> um, no, jokes aside, um, yeah, obviously it's been a pleasure to be a manager of this club and 150 games is good going and obviously another minimum of, of 11 games, well, 13 games could be still in two cups. So, yeah, we hopefully we got a, we got a, a lot more together. Are you interested to find out what your win percentage is on those 149 games so far? Do I want to know? Um, yeah, go on, throw them at me. Some of the league games last year obviously skew it a little bit because I think by your own admission, you were focused on the Cups towards the end. But it's 54%, yeah. which I think is a very, very good record. I don't think you have many managers after that amount of games that will have had something over 50%. Are you pleased with that? Listen, last season was a bit tricky because obviously with the cup games and, and the league games towards the end of the season and, you know, I, I felt we deserved a lot more points last season, especially the last 10 games of the season where, you know, we've we've had a chop and change and, and maybe we could have got a few more points, but it would have been irrelevant anyway if we won another three games. It, it wasn't going to change our, our league season. It was, it was more about the cups, but I mean, we're in a great position at the minute. The club, not, not just this season as a team, I, I just mean as a club in general from 150, 49 games ago when I, I first took over, as you say. Oh, look at us then and look at us now. And the team on the pitch and the, and, and the club off the pitch, are, you know, chalking and cheese, totally different. Um, everything off the pitch is, is fantastic. And, and hopefully we can back that up with, uh, with a strong end of the season. And we saw last week, England Football posted on their Instagram and Twitter um, the fact that they've highlighted the community of the club. Just how proud are you to be manager of Congleton Town? Yeah, I'm really proud because it, to do what we're doing is, is great. But, you know, to see the, the young lads turning up on, and the young girls turning up on a Saturday and their numbers and, and supporting us with, with all their local kits on and, you know, hats, scarves and coats and whatever they've got on. It just shows that you don't have to support your Man Uniteds and your Liverpools and whatever else. You know, you can, you can support your local communities and, and have, you know, a lot more fun for, for a lot less money, shall I say. So we've managed to bring that together somehow, however that may be. Uh, people behind the scenes have done lots of work and all that. And obviously, you know, when, when you win football matches and, and everyone wants a little bit of that, so that helps as well. And hopefully we can get some more through the gate by the end of the season and get them crowds uh, right behind us. What have you learned the most during your time as manager so far? Trust yourself. Trust yourself because you know it's, everyone has a have their own opinions and and they can count for so much. But when you are there to take the flack, as you say, as a manager, if you open yourself up to get sacked, then get sacked your own way. So you know the first two seasons were were difficult in the in their own little way, and we've we've changed things this season. You know, not much, but slightly, and it seems to be working at the minute. But if you're going to go out, go out your own way and um, listen to people by all means and take advice but go with your gut as well. The football world was shocked last week when uh, the announcement came through that Jurgen Klopp was leaving Liverpool. I'm sure this would be an announcement that you were looking closely on because I believe you you follow Liverpool. So how big of a shock was that? 
Yeah, I've followed Liverpool since I was young. My my girl now she loves Liverpool as well somehow. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't think many people would have would have seen that one come in if if any at all. So it'll be a big miss to the Premier League. So I think he's a big character to have about the place. He gets to jump on some of the interviews, which which I find quite funny. And he, he speaks from the heart. You know, he doesn't he doesn't beat around the bush. He says it as he sees it. And yeah, he'll be a big miss to the Premier League for sure. It was interesting in his statement when he said one of the reasons why he was running out of energy. And obviously being a Premier League manager is different than non-league. I'm sure there are different pressures for you as well that Jurgen Klopp would never have to think about. So just how difficult is it being a manager? And do you think, obviously you enjoy it, you enjoy being a manager, but do you think it can often be overlooked how exhausting and kind of draining it can be? Yeah, I don't think it's physically. I think it's mentally. I think I think his mental energy might be might be running a bit low, and I sort of understand that. As I say, I'm not trying to compare by any means, but I find myself thinking about this job twenty four seven, and it's by far a twenty four seven job. So, um, so just imagine the pressures that that he's going to go through. And yes, people will say, "Oh, he earns good money and all that," but. It doesn't take away from the fact that you're manager of one of the biggest football clubs in the world and so much weight is on, you know, he carries about for that club. So, yeah, I totally understand where where he's coming from and hopefully he can rest up and, and do what he needs to do to, to recharge. And I'm sure he'll come back, come back into the game at whatever country that is. Can we expect you to throw in your hat in the name for the Anfield job then? Listen, let's keep my own job for starters. That that will be good. So, um, no, uh, you know, it, there's, there's going to be a few... Uh, Big managers putting their names in for sure, and by the looks of it, Alonso looks looks like he's going to be favourite for that. Which which seems he seems to be doing a good job at the minute. But whoever goes into that job will will probably have a you know a, a proper shock because it's a proper football club, and and you know that deserves to be at the top. And of course, you're at a bigger club here at Congleton than Liverpool, yeah. anyway. Let's get back to Congleton. Um, obviously, on Saturday, uh, they had a 688 attendance, which again, over 600 is now becoming a routine. It will be March, actually, after this weekend, when you next play a league game at home. So I presume you, you'll be wanting to go on to, to the road with strong support here at the Cleric Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, massive game for us, as you say. It's four or five weeks then before we're at home again. And so I think it's three, maybe four games in a, in a row away from home. So yeah, massive game for us. Massive chance to get another three points um, and a massive chance for the fans to come and support us at home for the ones who unfortunately can't follow us away from home. But And then when we do manage to go away at the minute, we're taking you know lots and lots away, which which is great to see. Really gives us that, all the boys playing for sure, that, that extra edge. That was Richard Duffy speaking earlier this week. Next, we're speaking to Tom Hampton, who made the step up to the first team in the summer of 2022. In the 18 months since, he's become a valuable member of the Congleton Town squad. But as we'll hear, it could have been another Congleton sports club he was representing, had Richard Duffy and the first team not come calling. So first of all, Tom, welcome to the Congleton Town Football Club podcast. Lovely to be on. Thank you very much for having me. So, Tom, there's, of course, only one place to start, and that is last week's Witting game. The most important question I'm going to ask, was it your goal? <laughs> I knew this one would come up. Uh, didn't think it would be this early, but I'm claiming it as mine. A few of the lads might think otherwise, especially Pete. But, yeah, bullet header from me, back stick. That's what, that's what I'm saying. And I have seen the video evidence, and it definitely looked like it was your goal. Had there been much discussion and debate in the dressing room about it over the last week? There has, yeah. Pete's adamant it's his. I'm adamant it's mine. Duffy's a bit like he was there, was he there? Did it did it go off his head? Did it go off the post? But if you tell by the video, it looks like a bullet header. And uh, there's a few fans. I know Wayne from the Barbers. He he, he was standing right behind, and uh, he can vouch for me that it that it bulleted off my head. Everyone wants to score. Battle part of the game, and it's great when you do score. It doesn't matter really who who puts the ball in the back of the net, um, as long as the team performs well. And that's the main result, is is winning at the end of the day. But you're still going to claim it. It's your goal, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, going all the way back to the very beginning, now we've got that confirmed. What are your earliest football memories? I was actually thinking about this today. Earliest football memories for me was um, when I was playing at school. I never really got into playing football super early because my dad was a rugby player. I used to play rugby a lot more than football. And then I went to Quinter Primary School and they used to do a thing called Saturday football. So it was just a Saturday morning, go down to school, loads of kids, split up into teams and you play a few games. And and for me, that was my earliest memories. And uh, I think I remember my dad saying that 
I was a bit useless, to be honest, because I used to just stand in the middle of the pitch and uh, play with the strings on my shorts and <laughs> not really do any sort of football. So that's my earliest memory of playing football. Growing up, you were always an all-round sportsman at school. You seem to be good at every sport. You represented, I think, Pongleton High School in, in rugby, like you say, football, athletics, cricket. Did you just kind of love sport and did that come from your dad? Yeah, so generally I just love doing sport. So anything, it can be swimming, cycling, running, not too keen on. But most sports I, I just enjoy and I, I tend to have a bit of a thing where I can pick something up and I'm I'm half decent at it. And, you know, there's not many sports that I would say that I can't do or I'm not very good at. I would say that I'm just all round at everything. I don't really... The only thing I'd say I excel at and uh, I, I, I'm the best at is skiing. But, you know, everything else I tend to just sort of be able to pick up and, and get along with pretty well. You've mentioned skiing there. And actually, the sport of skiing has taken you all around the world, hasn't it? Because I think you've skied and maybe even been an instructor in Canada and Australia as well. So what, what were those experiences like? It's a funny one because uh, the way it came about wasn't necessarily how I thought it was going to work out. But at first, when I first finished school... I thought I was going to go to America and do a football scholarship. I then had a complete change of mind and decided that I wanted to go skiing. So when I left home at 18, went to Canada, and from there got my badges for instructing, stayed, stayed in Canada for about three years, and then decided that I wanted to try the Southern Hemisphere, went over to Australia, did a year in Australia and instructed there as well, and then came back to good old England. From when you mentioned about messing around with your shorts, playing football, what changed? How did you go from, from that to then obviously taking it more seriously? Well, it's quite funny because I, I went from playing with my shorts and not really being too interested in football to actually picking it up and, and getting quite good relatively quickly within, I think, within the first year of me starting to play football. You know, at that Saturday football, I got that like, player of the season. You know, I was... I, I was falling in love with it pretty quickly. But at that point, I wasn't actually playing for any a team of such. I wasn't playing for like Vale Juniors or anything. I was just playing at school. And Port Vale came in to school and I got picked up by Port Vale at Quinter. And that was sort of my first team that I, I, I went and played for was Port Vale. So I went and played at Port Vale for two or three years. And that was kind of the first time I got a taste of football in a, in a team, proper, you know, changing room training as a team twice a week, you know, going playing games home and away. That was my first experience of playing in a, in a team, a football team. So I then went and played for Vale Juniors. I then got picked up with Stoke City, went and played with Stoke for uh, a year. Uh, funny story about this, I'll never let my dad forget, is that I ended up stopping playing for Stoke because my dad used to take his work lads to the pub on a Friday and he wasn't able to take me to football. So I ended up not being able to get to Stoke for, to, to play. So I ended up having to hit the nail in the head on that one. Stopped playing with Stoke when I was like 12. I then went back and played with Vale Juniors where we had a really good youth team there. Me and a lot of my mates played quite a number of years. Dave Gilfoyle, he might be listening to be fair. He was our manager at the time. We had a fantastic team, won a, won a lot, of, lot of different things. Then Dave finished, the team folded, and I went and played at Edgerton, which is in Nutsford. Quite a high standard of uh, sort of youth football as well there, so I played at Edgerton. I then went and played at Hyde Academy in the Northwest Counties. Academy setups like under-18s or under-21s, Northwest Counties League. Played there for a couple of years and then started playing men's football at the age of 16, 17 at Edgerton. And then kind of lost interest in football, to be honest with you. That's why I didn't decide to go and do the scholarship because I kind of just lost the passion for it, lost the interest. Didn't really get the opportunities I thought I deserved. Didn't really get as far as I wanted to go. And then kind of just lost all hope as such in, in kind of making anything out of it and playing at a high level. I kind of just lost all hope and interest, which was quite a killer. And that's why I tried, well, made the decision to go go skiing instead, just to have a complete refresh and not think about missing out on opportunities, things like that. Do you think that break that time away because we're moving to a complete other side of the world. Do you think that was good for you from a footballing perspective, but also from a, a personal perspective as well? Yeah, didn't play any football when I was out there at all. Not something that's really a common sport over there is uh, is football. So 
and being in the mountains, don't tend to have any opportunities to play apart from a bit of indoor now and then. But I only played once in maybe three years, and I did miss it. I did, I did get to the point where I wanted to play football again, and I wanted to come back to the UK and start playing football again because it's a passion that I've had since the age of you know four or five. Yeah, I fell out of love with it a bit, but you still have that feeling that. You know, you want to go and play, you want to go play in front of a crowd, you know, it's great. When I was over there, I did miss it, did want to get back and play. And uh, when I did finally come back, when visas finished and things like that, and I, I had to come back, I pretty much got straight back into playing football. Were the things that you learned, particularly from an, an instructor perspective, that you now use on the football pitch? Yeah, in a way, you kind of learn a lot of social skills when you put in a position where you've got to teach people that you don't know you learn a lot a lot about how to communicate with people um, and how to communicate with different people as well because not everybody can sort of uh, communicate in the same way and simple things like meeting new people and when you're in a dressing room and you've got to sort of get along with people that you don't know or you dislike in in, in some sense in some cases you uh, you've got to get along with people and a strong dressing room for me in football is uh just about as important as it, as it can be in any sense of football. You need a good dressing room, otherwise um, you're going to struggle out on the pitch if people aren't getting along or you can't socialise together and have a good bond in your dressing room. I think you're going to struggle on the pitch. So social skills, massively, going at 18 and uh, having to socialise at such a young age with so many different people, I think you just learn to get along with uh, anyone and everyone. Everyone that I speak to seems to say that the dressing room here at Colmerton is so tight-knit and a great team spirit. Is that something that you agree with? Yeah, I think we've got a fantastic dressing room, both last year and this year. You know, we've kept a lot of the same faces, which is always good. Um, you know, we're all mates, which is nice. Go for a beer together, go out together. There's always banter flying around in the dressing room, great laughs. So really does help when, you, when you've got that close-knit sort of community in a dressing room when you get along with everyone and you're having a great time it just helps so much on the pitch so I think yeah this the dressing room is probably one of the best dressing rooms I've, I've ever been in. So when you came back to England you then went back into football at senior level was this at Congleton Vale and uh, what's now known as Congleton Town Reserves? Yeah so I started playing uh, just a bit of soccer sixes uh, down at the high school when I first got back and then I was playing with Ryan Reed, Richie Booth. They were playing for um, Congleton Vale and they said, are you wanting to get back into playing 11 side? I said, yeah, just whenever I can really. So they, they got me down to Vale and I started playing from there. I did play a, a little bit for Congleton Vale before I went away. And then when I got back, went down and started playing for them again. It was my first season playing back I had a really good season to be fair for how unfit I was and uh, the size I was because I was uh, was a bit bigger than I am now a few years back I think I ended up scoring about 18 in about 20 something games so I had had pretty good pretty good season scoring goals and uh, I was I was back enjoying football again and training sessions can be hazardous am I right in saying you got a bit wet during a pre-season training session yeah I um I think I was at Edgerton at the time and around pre-season run around um, is it Hyde Park. They were making us run around the lake a little bit and there was a bit of a circuit and I think I slipped and I fell into the lake fully submerged and yeah, <laughs> quite an experience. I have no idea how you, how you figured that one out. But yeah, that, that happened. <laughs> uh, it's amazing what social media can find. When you mentioned you, you came back, was semi-pro football at that time something you saw yourself going in, into? Or was it just mainly something for a, a, bit, a bit of fun and something to do to keep fit and to be with, with your mates, I guess? I mean, I never really sort of thought of it as a, as a thing that would happen. I've always wanted to play at the highest level I possibly can. Um, never really thought semi-professional would be um, something I could hit, especially uh, having so many, so much time out and um, get, getting so unfit over the time that I was away. Coming back into it this quick and having the opportunities that quickly never really crossed my mind that I would get into it that quickly. But the opportunity came up. I took it with both hands. I got myself fit, well, fitter. And Duffy gave me the opportunity of a lifetime, really. Someone like me, hometown club, growing up watching. Never thought that that would happen, but Getting the opportunity uh, was fantastic and I'm loving every second of it. And that was the summer of 2022. As we mentioned, you were the top scorer for the reserves team. And then going into that summer, 
What were your plans going to be for that following season? Was it just to carry on playing for the reserves? Uh, no, I actually was almost about to switch and play rugby again. My dad has always wanted me to play rugby. And he said to me after that season, he said, look, I want to watch you play home and away. I'd follow you home and away because he's never he's watched me play football and taking me to football as a kid and stuff like that. But as soon as he got to sort of adult football and men's football, he, he didn't need to take me anymore. So he never really came. So I think he was really keen to watch some live sport and, and, and watch me play. So if it was rugby, he said he'd come and watch home and away. So I was actually about to go and play for Congleton uh, Rugby Club for a season, see how I went on. And then I got the opportunity and I, and I decided to stay with football. Since then, my dad's been to pretty much every home game when he's in the country. So it's been pretty good. Did Richard Duffy come over to you or call you and say, I want you to be part of my first team for, for that pre-season? It was um, at the awards evening for the end of that season that I was playing at the uh, at the reserves. And Chris Rowley had mentioned to me a couple of times that Duffy had been watching and was impressed with how I played and things like that. And then he kind of came over and we had a quick chat and uh, he was interested. He said, come along to pre-season and things like that. Um, get yourself fitter because they wanted me fitter but they wanted me to keep my size as well I'm there to be a target man I'm there to be a bully I'm there to be a big lad that's just going to cause havoc really so they were the things that were said and I kind of you know I kind of went it sounds exciting sounds like a good opportunity so I um I, I went and got a bit fitter lost a bit of weight was wanting to take that opportunity and show what I can do and then went into pre-season, had a really good pre-season, was impressed with myself, to be fair. Scored quite a few goals in pre-season and, um, and yeah, from there, never left the team since. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, uh, been pretty good. What did that mean to you, especially with it being your hometown club as well? Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Never thought I would be playing on, on, on that pitch in the first team at that level, especially not at this age, you know, missing so much football. So it was nice to get the opportunity and and sort of like a bit of a privilege, really. I love it. It's great. You know, I support the club. I've lived there all my life, apart from being away for a little bit. But to be able to play for your hometown club is, you know, like a dream come true, really. I'm not interested, to be honest with you, in playing anywhere else. You know, I'd, I'd rather just play for my hometown club. What was it like making that step up to the first team? How did you find that pre-season training? Because even you said that you impressed yourself. I think pre-season's hard to judge on because teams change a lot. They're trialling new players. You know, the level of football isn't quite the same as league football. You know, pre-season's always a bit different. People aren't too interested in results. They're more interested in fitness and trialling different players and things like that. So pre-season, I kind of just thought, we'll see how it goes. And then the season started. And I think the first moment where I understood the step up and the level of football that's been played was when we played Bury away and you know I think there was like 2,000 people there it was my first I think it was my first start and it was like 30 degrees and playing in front of 2,000 people on a carpet it was a bit overwhelming I said to Duffy after the game I didn't didn't really have a very good game said to Duffy I was disappointed with myself and he said look you know you're new to it all it's 30 degrees outside, you know, there's 2,000 fans on the, around the pitch and it's quite a daunting experience when you've never experienced anything like that before. You know, I used to playing in front of 50 people on a good day for Congleton Town Reserve. So, yeah, that step up really shocked me when we, when we played Berry away. That was the, the first time I kind of went, yeah, this is different. I just want to go back to pre-season because you made an instant impression. Like you said, you scored a few goals. You scored a brilliant goal in a pre-season friendly against, I think it was Eccles Hall. What do you remember about that? Uh, yeah, probably the best goal I've ever scored, to be honest with you. And to do it in a new team when you're trying to impress is uh, quite a way to do it. I remember Ethan standing on, the, I think it was Ethan on the halfway line. I've stuck my hand up, called for it, pinged one to the back stick. I've chested it down. And it's just opened up for me to hit it on the volley. And I've I've just caught it so cleanly and it's just gone into the top bin and I've peeled off, giving it to Shearer. And I think after that, I couldn't believe it myself, to be honest. I didn't know what to do, didn't know what to say. So I, I just kind of laughed it off, to be honest with you. Yeah, and Eccles Hall said, described it on their Twitter as a worldie. And one person even said, it's the best goal they've ever seen in person. Was that the moment when, when you thought, I'm here, I'm 
part of the first team now? Not really, because it, it took me a bit. Duffy doesn't give you too much away. He doesn't quite uh, let you know what the crack is. So, to be honest, I was still in the mindset of I need to work hard. I need to still impress. I still need to show show that, you know, it's not just a one-off, even though it pretty much was. So, uh, I, uh, I kept working at it. A few more games. I think I scored another one or two after that. But I think that's a moment that I remember as being like, I can do a bit here, you know, I can score a goal, I can show you that I can score a goal. So, yeah, it's one, a moment for me that I'll remember for a while, that one. Then the season started, the first game was against Longridge and you came on and scored. It was a defeat, but you, you came on and scored. You couldn't have asked for a much better debut on, on, on a competitive game. Yeah, disappointing one, that one. I remember that game, better side, should have won the game. It was raining sideways. Duffy got sent off two minutes into the first half. And I don't think Griff was there either. So I think we ended up having Billy Buckley on the sideline relaying messages off the phone. Uh, and then I got the call to go on. I think me and Bowie went on just to cause some carnage up front. And then, and yeah, ended up nicking a goal towards the end, but not quite enough to get the win, which is a bit disappointing when you score your first goal. You want to... You want to win, but yeah, it was uh, good to get one in the first league game for me. And then a week or so later, you scored a 95th minute equaliser against West Didsbury and Chorlton. That was at the Cleric Stadium. What was that like? Yeah, another goal that I remember very well uh, was that one. Because that was the first one where you kind of felt the Cleric loud and proud. It was one of those where, you know, in the 95th minute, the place erupts, you know, everyone's ecstatic especially to nick a point like that you know right at the depths you know and anything in the 95th minute like that draw or win and I think you're, you're happy with anything so I chested that one down as well and hit it on the volley and then that was uh, that's where the shearer started I peeled off with a big shearer into the corner and uh, I don't think I've sprinted that fast in my life towards the corner flag and uh, yeah we celebrated that one well that was uh, that was a good one to remember as well. You also scored at the Isle of Man, but was this a bit of a bittersweet moment for you? Because I don't want you to know what, what happened here, but you scored, but then you seemed to go off and be substituted pretty much straight after you scored. Yeah, last season, a big struggle for me was a hamstring injury. I missed quite a lot of game time. I think it was sort of before Christmas, around Christmas time, lost a lot of game time due to hamstrings. And I tried to rush it back because I wanted to come back. I didn't want to lose my spot in the squad, so I was trying to get back as fast as I could. And every time I kept coming back too early and it would go again and then I'd try and train and it'd go again. And then Isle Man popped up, you know, it's an experience you want to go on. So I tried to get myself as fit as I could for it, thought I was OK, did the warm up. And then as soon as the game started, I think the first proper sprint I had, I felt my hamstring twinge. And I thought we're on bare bones here as well because we had a few other injuries we were pretty much um, a bare 11 and uh, didn't really have anything to, to sort of bring on and change it. So I, I thought, I'll see how long I can last. So I, I tried my best to keep going, keep going. And then the, the opportunity popped up and I overstretched for the goal. Managed to score, but in the process, fully pulled my hamstring. And uh, yeah, that was the end of, uh, end of my game then. And then you're out for over two months, from the end of October to the middle of January. Just how frustrating was that? And how do you keep motivated during a spell like that on the sidelines? I just sort of started playing well as well then, starting to feel a bit more comfortable. I think Tom Pope was banned for three games, something like that. I think he'd been sent off and he was banned for three games. And it was my opportunity then to play. And I was frustrated because I got injured at that vital time. So I missed out on a on a good opportunity to get a few games under my belt in a row and play some minutes. Yeah, it was just a frustrating one because I think when you start to play well and you, you start to really enjoy yourself playing football again and to get injured is, is a hard one to take. And then, like I say, you, you know, you try and push yourself to get fit and get back again and and you, you try too quickly and, you know, you just make it worse and worse and you prolong that time that you're trying to recover and and you don't get back to full fitness for a lot longer. So I've learned, I've actually learned from that uh, not to push an injury and, and wait till it's, it's properly ready before you come back. 
You made your return in the FA Vars fourth round match against Pinchbeck United. I think this was in uh, middle of January. How great was that to get back out onto the pitch? Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, I remember a photo being taken of me coming on for Tom, and it was just that moment where it was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm back now, feel fit. You know, everything felt good. Didn't really have any niggles or anything. So it was nice to be able to get back on the pitch, and especially in the home game at the Cleric Stadium in front of your home fans. It's, uh, it's nice to come back at that point. Your first goal back was against Padium, and this was that busy period of playing Tuesday and Thursday because after scoring on the Tuesday, you then scored an 88th-minute winner against Lower Breck in the Macron Cup. Obviously, a late winner like that in the Cup must be memorable, especially looking back now, obviously, with the hindsight that we know that what they achieved in that competition. So how memorable was that goal? It was a funny one, that one, because I'd been getting a load of stick off the uh, Lower Brett fans, which turned out to be a load of kids. But after I scored the goal, I, uh, we were playing towards their end and I ran up to them, give them the ears, hands behind their ears. And uh, yeah, all the lads remember that one because I got a bit of stick from them in the changing room on the, the next game, uh, saying that I was abusing little kids uh, by giving them the, the hands behind the ears. <laughs> And there were so many memorable games last season. And we've got to talk, obviously, about the penalty shootouts because, like Congleton, you sadly experienced both sides of the coin, the euphoria, but also the heartbreak of penalty shootouts as well. Yeah, so obviously uh, in the quarterfinal, I stuck my penalty away. Not the greatest penalty, but ended up in the back of the net. So that was fantastic. The feeling from that, you just can't beat, especially in front of that many people uh, in a home tie, the roar from it being so quiet to being so loud just after one kick is uh, extraordinary, to be honest. Um, but then the opposite is uh, the semi-final and missing the penalty. That was a hard one to take because you've got Wembley on your doorstep and you go and miss a penalty like that. And I think being the first penalty taker, it kind of sets the tone, you know, and you go and miss like that. It's hard for everybody else to sort of follow up. So it was hard for me to take because I felt quite responsible for it. You miss like that in such an important game and everybody's head sort of drops and you lose that momentum. You know, if it goes in, on the other hand, everybody's a bit more on high spirits. You miss it. Everybody's a bit more down. So it's, uh, yeah, it was a tough one to take. I was upset about that one. That opportunity doesn't come round often. We were saying at the time that uh, the season we had was sort of like a, one in a million season, you don't you don't get those seasons at all very often. But you say that, and then we look at replicating it this year with uh, what we're still left in, and you know we've got semi final coming up. You know the league, we're well into the league. Could we reciprocate uh, last season and and have another record breaking season? And to come away last season with two trophies, just how special were those moments to be a part of? Yeah, so you miss the penalty in the semi-final. You you don't get to the one that you want to get to. But then again, you win two trophies and it, you, you quickly forget about it. You know, you've got to look forward to those cup finals. And, and, and we did. And we played well in both, I would say. And, and, and we came out victorious in both. And to do a double is absolutely brilliant. I mean, to win one trophy is good enough. But two, two one season is quite special. It's one that I think a lot of people remember for a long time. So it's nice to be a part of that as well. And from a personal perspective, how do you reflect on last season for your development as a player? Good for me. I learned a lot last season, especially playing with Tom Pope. He gave me a lot of advice. I, I really enjoyed playing alongside him and being able to watch him play as well, learn a few things from him and, and try and take them into this season. I know he's not, not with us anymore, but yeah, it was good at the time to be able to have someone like that who, who plays in the same way, same style, to be able to take some things out of his game, put it into mine. I, I think last year was a lot of learning and I enjoyed the learning. So going into last summer and the season we're currently in now, did you approach it differently at all to how you had done previously? Yeah, I again wanted to push on, get fitter, lose lose a bit more weight. So I had another good pre-season with getting fitter and trying to lose a bit more weight, which was good. But the only thing this time around is I probably lost a little. I didn't lose too much weight in a sense I did because I kind of, when I came back, I felt like a little bit of a different player. Didn't quite understand how to use the body that I was in because I so before I played for Congleton Town I was 120 kilos. By the, the start of this season I dropped down to 105. 
So I lost 15 kilos and it's quite a different body to be in. And I, I didn't really know how to use it, to be honest with you. Kind of felt like I used to be able to rely on my weight a little bit more to, to hold myself, whereas when you're a little bit lighter, you've got to be a little bit stronger as well and kind of put your body around rather than just being able to stand there and withstand someone coming in and giving you a shove. So start of the season took me a while just to get used to being a little bit lighter. This might sound like a strange question. How do you get used to your body? Is that just to come through playing matches? Yeah, it just comes through, I would say, playing matches and uh, training and and just getting used to uh, how you feel. I mean, it's a shock for me. I didn't quite understand at first how much of an impact it can make losing weight. Like I say, I used to rely a lot on just being a big guy to hold people off on the ball. Whereas when you're lighter, you've got to be able to do things a little bit differently. The way you stand, the way you balance as well is, is all very different. So it's quite a bit of figuring out. But like I say, it's game time and, and training and things like that. And you've just got to mentally get yourself around how different you have to play with a different body and obviously at the start of this season you also had the setback as well because you had a few weeks out through an injury what was it your cheek that you injured yeah so i ended up fracturing my cheekbone the, the thursday training session before our first game of the season on saturday so that was quite a setback yeah i'd worked quite hard during summer and pre-season to get myself in in the best shape possible and then to go and have an injury like that right before the uh, first game of the season kind of just put me back to to square one to be perfectly honest with you so I then sort of had to I couldn't play any contact sport or anything for for I think it was six six to eight weeks well it's meant to be three months but I uh, came back earlier with the mask so I just tried to get back as soon as I could because I knew the longer I stayed out the more unfit I was going to get and the more backward steps uh, I was going to take. You had to have surgery is that right? Yeah, so I did the injury on the Thursday night. I went to A&E. It was so busy in there, I decided that I couldn't sit there in the pain I was in. So I went home and, and dosed up on a few painkillers and uh, tried to get some sleep. Uh, tried to go to work the next day. Just thought maybe I badly bruised it. Went to work the next day and did about two hours and then decided I needed to get to the hospital. So I went back to A&E. And was seen within an hour and uh, had an x-ray done and, and the x-ray showed a, a pretty nasty fracture in my cheekbone, which needed surgery pretty quickly to before it set in the wrong place. And I ended up with a basically a, an indent in my face. So I uh, the turnaround was pretty good. I think I was uh, in surgery within a week or two and, and had it done. And then, and then it was a bit of recovery then, just waiting for things to heal up a bit. You had to obviously wear this black protective mask. What was that like to play in? Terrible. It's almost like having tunnel vision. Everywhere you look, you've got to move your whole head. You can't glance through your eyes because you've got, obviously, black all the way around. That took some getting used to. Um, I don't think I ever got used to it. I ended up stopping wearing it sooner than I should have just because I couldn't deal with trying to play in it anymore because it was just just such a hindrance uh, you know every time you look at your feet with the ball you've got to move your whole head to look down you know it was uh, hard work and I wasn't enjoying it so I, uh, I tried to get rid of it as soon as possible. But actually your first full game back was against Northwich Victoria a 4-1 win and you scored actually the first goal um, how special was that one because you were just to be back on the pitch and two to, to then score. Yeah, that was another nice one, uh, you know, to, to score straight away when you get back after an injury is nice. Just nice to get a goal, celebrate it as normal, give it the shearer. And Elliot got some great photos of it as well. I heard in the last podcast that he, he said it was his uh, favourite picture of the season so far. Yeah, it's nice just to be able to score in front of the crowd again on your first game back. You get that feeling back, you get the buzz back, you, you're raring to go again. So it was exciting and, like I said, great photo as well. And you're now known as Phantom of the Hampton as well. I've also heard you called Zorro. you got some great nicknames for, for, from your spell wearing the mask. A few of the old boys and a few of the, the local boys that are always down there always giving me the shout of Zorro and uh, Phantom of the Hampton. So, yeah, it's a, a Batman. Batman's another one that keeps coming into play, so... It's become quite a thing, uh, even though the mask is gone, still getting the name shouted out as well. 
most of your appearances have been from the bench this season. So whenever you come on, do you know that you've got to try and take that chance? And actually, most of the time you come on, you're there to do a job. Yeah, I know my position in the team. You know, we've got a couple of great strikers in the, in the squad as well with Brian and Max. I know myself, I'm, I'm an impact player. So I'm here to do my job. And when I do, I'm re- ready to go. Watch the game, most of the game throughout uh, when we're playing. So I know what I need to do when I come on and, and, and what's required. And I think coming on and, and doing that is my is my job, really. So try my best every time when I get on to, to make an impact, be a handful, cause a bit of mayhem. And and a lot of the time it it, it uh, ends in a goal. So I enjoy the challenge of coming on and trying to make a difference. Richard Duffy said in a post match interview a few weeks ago that it feels like you two have a good relationship with each other. How important is that support to you? Yeah, it's it's great. Duffy's brilliant. Get along with him. Great mate. I've good banter with him. I know where I stand. I know that I, I do make an impact when I come on. So I'm happy to do that as well. I'd love to start every single game, but it's not sometimes uh, always the case and uh, I understand that. I understand that I've got to take my opportunity when it comes so I try my best to do that. Duffy always gives me a pat on the back when I come on and uh, make a difference and I respect that and I know my job. I know I'm, I'm sort of here to make an impact off the bench more than anything um, but like I say, you know, you, you want to start so I want to impress every time I play. It's just to get the opportunity to start and uh, when it comes... I try my best to make an impact. Again, if I'm on the bench, my job is to come on and, and make a difference no matter what. You said that earlier on that you love being part of the club and the fact is that you probably won't leave. And obviously some people in your position who perhaps might think they deserve more game time might leave the club. But does that just show how much you enjoy being part of the club and being part of your hometown club? Yeah, so I, uh, you know, you think all the time, I want to start every game. But at the end of the day, I'm playing for my hometown club. I've been given a great opportunity. I know where I stand and I know that I'm happy with any minutes I can get. So, you know, even if I only get two at the end of a game, you know, I've been involved in it all. Lads in the dressing room, I have a good day out anyway. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be there no matter the, the, the situation. Yeah, it's just a, a privilege, really, that I get to put my boots on and uh, score a goal for my hometown club as well. What is it that you enjoy the most about being involved in Congleton Town? I think it's been part of a squad, you know, a good group of lads, banter, drinks, going out with them all, having a good time. You know, it all comes as a package. You know, you're there for football, but you're also there for a friendship as well. You know, you've got people in there that you bond with. You you know, you're all there for the same thing and we all enjoy having a good time as well. So having the two is really enjoyable. Being able to, to play football for your home club and do it with a load of mates is like, you know, what else could you ask for? It's brilliant. And how much do you like the fact that the team and the squad is made up of so many local players now, whether that's from Congleton or from around the local area? I think that's a, a really big thing for numbers down on the gate these days. You know, you've got so many local lads playing. They attract a lot of local people as well, you know, family and friends that what come watch and things like that. It's more of a community that you've got local lads playing and, and local people want to go and support those local lads. So... I think it's fantastic. It's the most local lads I've seen play for Conkton Town for years. So we all really enjoy it and we all love a hometown club. So, you know, it, it makes it even more important to put on a performance and, and do well for the team because, you, you know, it's your, at the end of the day, it's your own club. It's where you've grown up. It's uh, the team that you've watched for years. So you want them to do well. So you go out there and you, you do the best you possibly can every time. So did you used to come down to, to watch Congleton Town when you were younger? Yeah, so I used to come down and watch Congleton Town when I was younger. And then, obviously, being away for a bit, didn't really come down. And then um, when I got back, still carried on coming down. I actually moved in round the corner when I got back from Canada. So I I can see the ground light from my uh, front bedroom window. So I'm only a, a minute walk round the corner. So I used to go and watch uh, before I was uh, playing for the first team, when I was playing for the reserves. I used to go up and watch some of the... Uh, games on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night because I was playing on a Saturday but Tuesday Wednesday night I used to go up and watch because it was only around the corner it's brilliant did you ever imagine watching then that you you would be the one that would be standing on the pitch with all the well over 600 700 people cheering you on 
No, not at all. Uh, never ever thought that would happen. Didn't didn't think that I would really even be playing much football, to be honest, for for much longer. And then, like I said, I had the opportunity, and I couldn't believe it. So it was uh, nice to go from standing and watching six months prior to standing on the pitch and playing and it's quite the difference you know you can say all all you want when you stand on the touchline but when you're on the pitch uh, you, you've got to perform so you think a little bit differently when you're watching games of football these days about what you say to players on the touchline to see the crowd and the attendances and the way that the whole entire town is getting behind the team how special is that as someone who is from Congleton yeah, it's brilliant. I'm a builder in Congleton, so I see a lot of people around. You know, I, I go to the pubs in Congleton, get my hair cut in Congleton, everything I do is in Congleton. So everywhere you go, there's a Bear fan. And to see a Bears fan everywhere you go in Congleton is pretty unbelievable, to be honest, from a club that was sort of struggling for 200 through the gate a few years back to now pushing five, 600 plus every game. Bears fans are popping up all over the place. So you know, everywhere you go now, it's Bears talk of football. You know, you go to the barbers, that's all the talk is. You know, you go to the pub, people are talking about the Bears. You know, people come up to me when I'm working and things like that about the Bears. You know, everywhere you go, you can't stop talking about it. This is how I end every podcast with a player. If you could play alongside any player in world football, who would you pick to play alongside and why? I was actually thinking about this one today because I heard a few of the lads had uh, had this question and uh, I was thinking back to when I was at school and my idol when I was at school and who I looked up to the most was Ricardo Fuller. To be honest, if I was going to pick someone, I'd probably pick someone that I looked up to. So I'd say Ricardo Fuller. If I could play alongside with him back in his prime, that would be uh, my life made. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Tom, on the Congleton Town Football Club podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. Thanks again to Tom, and at the end of the season, Tom will be auctioning his mass for charity, so keep an eye out for that. This week, Congleton are at home on Saturday against Tiverdale, with the match sponsored by Derek Goff Associates. There's no game for the reserves this weekend, but both ladies' teams will be in action. The ladies' first team are at home to Macclesfield FC. That's a 2pm kickoff at Congleton High School on Sunday. The ladies' reserves team are away at Manchester Rovers on the same day. Thank you for the support and thank you for listening to the Congleton Town Football Club podcast. Yeah!